As we celebrate five incredible years of Burn It All Down, we dedicate this episode to Shireen Abu Akleh. On May 11, 2022, Al Jazeera's legendary journalist was killed by Israeli sniper fire while reporting on a raid in the occupied West Bank city of Jenin. She was wearing a flak jacket, clearly marked press. Her work was powerful and important, particularly on a subject that the media has consistently underreported. Her death is a devastating blow to journalism and also to press freedom. The impunity with which Palestinians are murdered and oppressed is not a secret, but the brutality and arrogance with which she was killed is horrific. Shirin Abu Akleh was a Christian Palestinian woman and also an American citizen. But we care about her life and legacy because of what she gave us. We celebrate her life and her contributions. Here are the words of MSNBC's Ayman Mwayeldin, her mentee and her friend. She was kind. She was gracious. She was hilarious. She was compassionate. Her humanity was unmatched and reflected in the people she covered and the stories that she told for nearly 25 years reporting on the front lines of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And while she became a household name across the Arab-speaking world, she also became a role model for millions of young children who aspired to be journalists in one of the most fraught regions of the world to be a journalist. May she rest in peace. Allah yarhamu. We also wanted to uplift and read the names of those who lost their lives during a racist hate crime in Buffalo, New York. Roberta Drury, Aaron Salter, Celestine Chani, Andre McNeil, Catherine Massey, Margus Morrison, Hayward Patterson, Geraldine Talley, Ruth Whitfield, Pearl Young. Injured were Zaire Goodman, Jennifer Warrington, and Christopher Braden. Sending so much love to the Black community in Buffalo. This was the one supermarket in a historically Black area of that city. And to all who continue to be subjected to not just a torrent of racism, but constant reminder that our lives are not valued and that they are taken with impunity, especially in mass killings on unsuspecting days where you're just trying to buy groceries. May they all rest in peace. Welcome to Burn It All Down, the feminist sports podcast you need. I'm Jessica Luther, and today I'm joined by the whole crew. Lindsay Gibbs, Drs. Amira Rose Davis and Brenda Elsie, and Lady Shireen Ahmed. We are all here because this is episode 250. Last week, we passed the five-year anniversary of our first ever episode. It's a big moment for this podcast that could. So we have gathered to talk about the state of Burn It All Down, podcasting, and sports media five years into this project. As always, we'll burn things, highlight torchbearers, let you know what's good in our world, and tell you what we are watching this week. Also, this week, we got lovely voicemails from flamethrowers that we will be playing throughout the show. First, I want to hear y'all's favorite memory or moment from Burn It All Down. Bren, you're up first. Uh, this is so hard. This is so hard. But if I've learned anything over five years from Shireen Ahmed, it's that, you know, 
Fuck the rules. Um, so I don't know if Tressa is freaking out already. Yeah. So if there's if there's like you know one thing that's asked of me, I can give you twenty. No, really. Um, let me see. We have matching pajamas. Uh, that was really exciting. And I think my favorite memory where I laughed the hardest and I still can't keep it together is Mike Huckabee's tweet advising us to use corn cobs to solve the toilet paper shortage (laughs) during early COVID. (laughs) My co-host really helped me through that. Um, they, they sent it on to me as soon as possible. And I just, I can't even stay seated. I don't know if I'll stay seated when I was typing this in to prep. I fell off my chair again crying. I just, I could and I listened to that episode and I just, I don't know. And then finally, and I'll never stop gloating that I knew Amira Rose Davis first and, um, and did the heavy recruitment um, to get her on this podcast. And no, I'm not going to give it up. I'm not. It's a, it's a source of great pride for me. Oh, I love it. Lindsay, you're up. I'm going to cry it's because like for me we did the Nashville live show was our second live show and think progress shut down literally the Friday before we left Yeah, (laughs) and we flew out on a Saturday we knew think progress was closing we didn't know exactly when so to come from a really really uncertain moment in my career in my life and to have this weekend with this crew doing a live show, they allowed me to be pretty MIA all weekend because we were fighting some pretty uh, significant union battles. <laughs> so, like, I was, you know, I missed some meetups and missed everything. Like, there was just so much happening. But to me, I'll just never forget the hope that, like, that weekend gave me. And they all gave me the strength to start Power Plays that weekend. And, I mean, just to have... To literally lose your job and lose everything underneath you, but then have this backup, like, whoo, it made it better. Okay. Well, I'm crying now. So well done. <laughs> uh, man, I'm going to say that mine, it is hard. This is very hard. Five years. Mine, Amir is going to love this, though, is the escape room that Amira made us do on Long Island. <laughs> mm-hmm. Y'all can't even see how Amira is <laughs> reacting right now. Um, <laughs> we met up for our first live show. I was convinced in my head that this was the worst idea, that we were going to murder <laughs> each other, that it was going to implode on us, and someone would probably cry in the wrong way. And... It turned out that we were so good as a team. We worked so well together. We had a blast and we escaped. And I was just like, <laughs> look at us. Oh my goodness. I get so happy whenever I think about that experience with this group. Um, I get proud too. I was like, we really did that. So uh, that's what I'm going with. Uh, Amira. I Well, that is the best present in the world because... I love escape rooms and I love (laughs) convincing people to do them and you all did it and showed up and it was the best thing. 
My favorite thing is from that weekend as well. It's our first live show in New York. And um, we were in this room that they had set out for us to record in. And it was quite large. And like maybe eight minutes before it was supposed to start, there was like six people in the room. (laughs) And we were like, this is going to be really awkward. Like we're going to be talking. We'll just get through it. Like we're Have you ever been to a wedding where there's like more in the bridal party than in the like audience? Like that's kind of what it felt like. It was really awkward. And then I don't know what happened, but like with five minutes to go, people started pouring in. Every seat was filled. There were people standing in the back and... I just remember that moment when we started and we all were kind of like nervous and you could kind of feel the tension. And Brenda just started by saying, we are live from New York and the way they cheered. And I just remember clutching Shereen's hand and like trying to not cry, ugly cry in front of everybody because it was like real and happening. And then we just fell into the cadence of our show. But when we got to the burn pile to have everybody scream burn with us, I was like... We've reached some some pinnacle here because, you know, we record this, you know, on various days of the week in closets and rooms and whatever. And then we just kind of move on and do everything else we have to do in our very busy lives. And you don't you're not there when somebody's listening to it and you don't see people necessarily interacting with it. We get tweets, of course, we, we get those interactions, but it was like a room full of people who listen to us and. I will, to this day, never get over that people listen to us. (laughs) Same. All right, everyone, buckle up. Here comes Lady Ahmed. I love that for me. One of the people standing in the back room was actually Dr. Lila Abulohod, who's like, for me, is a rock star, and she stayed. And she says, you know, I don't do sports. And I remember her standing there leaning against the wall because she, she couldn't leave. She couldn't leave because we were gripping. We were smart. And she was held. She was beheld by us. And it means the world because, like Jess, about the escape room, which is truly a metaphor of who we are, I was terrified that I would offer. I'm anxious. I don't do escape rooms. I have no logical process thinking. So I was like, I am going to bring this team down and it will be me. And this will be a disaster. But that's not what happened. And truly what happens is if we all have strengths and one of us, if we're struggling, the others lift us up. I'm going to get personal. Like I've logged into show recording with my life literally falling around behind me, but underneath me, everything. And in a way that you all rally immediately like a trampoline and I bounce back. So that I've seen it happen with all of us. We struggle. There's been moments where we pause because we're we're crying during a recording and need moments. And then we cover each other's bases. That's not a specific moment, but it happens routinely with this group. And I've never had that before. Um, the pajamas, yes, I can't tell you how much I love you, agreeing to my ridiculous photo shoot poses. Of course, Michael Davis is the best and really saw my vision um, on the rooftop. But when you did the ice capade uh, pose and the Law and Order cover that I desperately wanted, I was like, these people are my people, because you knew how much that meant to me. And there was no objection that I would be Jack McCoy. And I appreciate that you let me live that in my head. But then when we all went to Orange Theory Fitness, like I worked out for Amira and I would do it again. (laughs) I mean, you know, I've been on a treadmill for Brenda, my absolute least favorite thing in the entire world. But I would do those things for you because you do those things for me constantly. And that's kind of who we are. Uh, We had a family dinner in Nashville and I'm going to insert fried chicken into everything because it's so important. But also that if we have 
food, you know, intersections, you let me go with that. And because two of my favorite things are truly fried chicken and burn it all down. So when that happened and that family dinner happened, that's what it was. And we hadn't seen each other a while. Like, I can't wait to see you again. I started to cry thinking about when I'm going to see you. Well, it's been almost three years. And like, I miss you all so much in person and this is fun, but like... You know, I'm just with bated breath. I'm waiting to see everybody again, and I will have more matching pajamas. So, this is Monday morning. How are we gonna do this? We got it. Okay, we got it. Here on out, fun only. No more. Okay. (laughs) Worst party ever. Worst party ever. (laughs) Tries to insert. It's my. Party, I can cry if I want to. Oh! <laughs> it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Cry if I want to. Cry if I want to. You would cry too if it happened to you. Hi, I'm Corey. I'm from Wisconsin. I've- oh, we're going to listen to those live. Because you want us to cry more. Yes. I've been a listener since your first podcast. And I just have to say, I'm so glad I found my people. I just remember looking on Jezebel once, and there was an article that said, UConn's women's basketball team has completed the longest winning streak ever. Do we have to care? And it really felt like the answer was no. And I'm so glad to find people who care about women's sports and who care about women's issues and and think that two can be compatible. Um, congratulations on a great five years. Bye. Oh, okay, just... so we're just going to do this, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right. Okay. I don't know. Lovely. Maybe Brenda should be in charge in this episode. Okay. <laughs> we, we need a little of the Brenda coldness here, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> You know me, ice in the veins. <laughs> of course, I didn't realize Jess was such a softy. Really, uh, a little crying is her yeah. like yeah. natural oh, state. Yeah. <laughs> That's a direct quote. <sighs> all right, so it's clear. Burn it all down is five years old. It's truly wild to me when I think about where I was personally in 2017 when this started, where I am now, where we all were then, where we are now. It's such a gift to get to share this space with you all, and for this long. So today, let's do an assessment of where we are five years into Burn It All Down. I want to start by thinking about what has changed since we started this podcast. I think for me, the overall conversations we are having about the intersection of sports and politics have shifted a lot since we started. I think the kind of critical sports media that Burn It All Down is on the leading edge of is more suffused throughout general sports media. There's almost an expectation of it at this point in sports conversations which is very exciting. And so for me, these the change over the last five years, it feels like sports media has become more like us than we have become like sports media. And that is thrilling. And I'm so proud of the work that we do here. And I like thinking about, about how that has changed over the last five years. Bren, what is it for you? Yeah, it's similar. And to my mind, all of that activism and representation in sports media that we've seen since we started has really shifted the public opinion about some key issues, you know, greater sympathy for student athletes, 
more um, public goodwill towards activism, whether it's Liverpool kneeling or Colin Kaepernick, um, and clearly issues about, you know, women's voices and representation and, you know, calling games. So I think, I think it's, it also has resulted in like feeling different. There's still the bar stools out there to fight every day, but I feel like there's more and more people that, that ha- that are closer to us, not only in thinking about politics and sports, but also agreeing with us about, <laughs> about those conversations. Linz, how about you? Yeah, to me, it's uh, everything Brenda said, of course, just pretty much this has been 250 episodes of me listening to my co-host and saying, ditto. (laughs) Um, But But I also like to say, like, when we started, one of our things was we looked through sports podcasting and it was bleak. All men. I know we say all men a lot, but like you would look at the top 100 charts and it would just be, I remember once counting, there may be like two women and they were like, you know, the um, the moderator of the podcast and the whole top 100 on iTunes. And I'm not saying things are great now, but you see a lot more women athletes, women journalists in sports holding their own podcasts now and a lot more podcasts on women's sports. I cannot remember who made this graphic. I think it was Goal Sports made a graphic of like 12 podcasts about women in sports to listen to the other day. And of course, we were on it. That would not have been possible five years ago. (laughs) Like, maybe there were 12 total in the whole world. Do you know what I mean? Like, there couldn't have been a best of list. Like, that's a really big area of growth. I see more podcasts about women's sports and more people who are not cis men talking about sports. And I think the whole landscape for that has grown a lot. Yeah, agreed. Amira? Yeah, and it's so interesting because... It can be thankless sometimes when you're like laying a blueprint or setting a foundation for things that people come along and build off of. You see that kind of influence um, and there's not always credit and that can be what's frustrating. But it it can also be really exciting to see what is built on a foundation you help to lay about what is possible in the ecosystem of sports. And so it has been our growth, but it also because of that, all of us have experienced a lot of growth and change as well. Um, and it has been amazing to think about five years ago and over the years, whether it's Lindsay launching power plays or the investigative reporting Jessica has been continued to be on the front lines of or Shireen, you know, not just on radio waves, but, you know, holding it down on TV in the fucking instant, like you're doing it, you know what I mean? And, and Brenda's wrote another fucking book. Like there's just (laughs) all of these ways that we have continued to grow and be influenced um, by this project we've committed to do together. And I feel like all of us have ended up so far from what we even imagined was possible five years ago um, and found ways to keep returning to each other as our, our our new chapters of ourselves and just pour into Bayad and continue to make it even stronger. And it's been, it's wild, honestly. Yeah, agreed. Shireen? I mean, more eyes on women's sports and discussions, but when we talk about, like Lindsay talked about, there was so few women's sports podcast or women doing podcasts about sport, um, the intersections that we talked about from the get-go. I was still trying to convince people five, six years into my career that 
let's just say Muslim women in sports mattered, uniform accommodation mattered, racism and systemic racism mattered. I didn't have to do that here. I never did. I didn't have to convince, burn it all down, that the issues we all wanted to talk about, that it was important because it was understood that it was. And that is something that is giving me tremendous courage as I go forward. Our careers have grown individually, but the collaboration, as Amira said, remains centered and really powerful. We've influenced women all over the world. I know we have. Um, Europe, in Australia, in Pakistan, in Afghanistan. We have affected people. I have a friend, Janine Anthony, in Lagos, who says that she looks to us. We are, we're a fucking foundation. We're like a center crater. Is that a thing? I don't know anything. Plectonic tate. What did I, tate? Tectonic plates? What was plectonic? What did I say? Not that. Tectonic plates. Tectonic. Not tectonic. You said platonic. Like they're not having sex. I was like, platonic texts. That's not a thing. Um, But, you know, and how we continue to get more brilliant and hotter, which is not a change per se, but like we are talented and gorgeous and smart. And that doesn't change, but it just gets better. Hi, Burn It All Down. This is Courtney. I'm calling from Toronto. Um, I've been listening since the very beginning. I started a job about five years ago that required doing a lot of driving, and, and Burn It All Down was the perfect companion for a lot of my long work drives. Thank you so much for everything you do and for shining the spotlight on where it needs to be. Hi, Burn It All Down team. My name is Bethlehem, and I'm calling from California. One of my memories that I'm most grateful for from the podcast was Serene's conversation with Dr. Sophia Azad about passing in liberation in sports. I'm just really grateful for how the podcast uplifts solidarity with Palestinian liberation and trans liberation throughout across various episodes. Um, I came to burn it all down after I, for my sort of first connection to sports when I was following Mary McDonald's amazing March Madness run and coming to sports as an adult for the first time, I'm just so grateful that burn it all down exists and have been able to connect with conversations and a sports community where I know that communities I care about are being held really dearly um, throughout your conversations and episodes. Thanks so much for everything that you do. I'm so excited to keep listening to this amazing podcast, for Lindsay's Houston Comets podcast, um, for all of the work that you all do through the podcast and outside the podcast. Thanks so much for everything. Burn on and not out. We wouldn't be burn it all down without being critical of the moment, too. So flipping that last question on its head, what do you feel has stayed relatively the same over the last five years in podcasting, sports podcasting, sports media, or just the sports world in general? Lindsay? I mean, the marginalization and the bigotry, it all still exists. <laughs> I mean, like, it hasn't. Spoiler alert. We didn't Spoiler fix it. Spoiler alert. It's We're post-racial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm now colorblind, oh. so that's good. But um, every day we see more and more. I mean, the burn pile keeps burning, right? So I just think that for me, one thing that really frustrates me is the constant framing of things like, you said nobody cares about women's sports. See, here's this crowd. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we're still talking to the haters, right? And I think one thing this show has done where, where we rant and where we, you know, it's not like we we don't respond to bullshit things, of course, but the conversation is never directed to them. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's never directed to them. And I so often feel like the framing of women's sports and women in sports media is still directed towards a really simplistic narrative. And that just like really, really 
bothers me. I also, I'm sorry, I literally just saw this. And since I know our burn pile is full, I will just say, like, if there's any example of, like, how much fucking work there still needs to be done, it's Paul Riley, the coach of the um, Courage, who was, of course, fired after it was, you know, brought out that he had been sleeping with the players and sexually abusing them. And Haley Carter, who's been on the show, tweeted yesterday, reminder that Emma Hayes and Denise Reddy used to coach professionally in the U.S. and were let go for not producing results, while plenty of mediocre male coaches have hung around women's pro soccer with chance after chance for years. Paul Riley replied to that tweet. Jess, Jess, wait for it. He said, Reddy won two games, LOL, and Emma cried at halftime and begged her Chicago team to win and keep her job. Sorry, different <laughs> level. Don't know oh what my you gosh. are. Just the letter R. Talking about. Oh, my God. The fucking audacity that these men still have? That remains. So uh, so, so that's, that's the same. The same. <laughs> he needs to get off Twitter. Like, he's awful. It's fucking awful. Man, one thing that's the same on Burn It All Down is don't give us a chance to any kind of burn pile framing of anything because we will <laughs> we will find stuff. Um, well, I mean, it, it fits lens because like when I think about what's the same over the last five years, I think about the thing that I always that's always top of mind for me, I guess, which is that while I feel like the volume of reporting on abuse in sport is increasing and the reporting itself is getting so much better. I'm still struggling to see like what fundamental changes have been made around institutional prevention and response to that abuse. And I've been thinking about this a lot right now since interviewing Paul Levine and Tom Janot for this podcast a, a month ago or so about their work on sexual violence in the 1970s. And like I asked them, like, what's different now? And and that's hard to point to. It's much easier when it comes to institutional responses to gendered violence in sport to see the continuity rather than the change. And, you know, that's such a bummer when I'm looking back across five years. Uh, ugh, okay, Bren. Speaking to change, part of what I think is responsible for, I don't know, putting the brakes on change is how few radical propositions are left off the table, even by putative progressives, right? Like the New York Times is as left as we get. Uh, you're either a Democrat or a Republican, and your sports politics should fall into that as well. Um, you know, one thing that I've loved about being here is that you've all given me space to constantly kind of rabble rouse in the way that I want, and you all do too, you know, so I, I'm not alone. Um, but I find it consistent that, you know, there's this spectrum and and this is how we're supposed to like think and and fall. And and it's just because we haven't really, you know, that that's the way that we're taught all the time. You know, these are the propositions that are acceptable. And if they're not possible, you know, you shouldn't think them. And I think part of the change that happens is when people 
can come from a more radical space and say, you know, you have to rethink it all together. You have to burn it all down. You have to burn it all down. You have to burn it all down or else you're just going to keep bouncing between Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi, (laughs) you know, but in the sports world. We don't need to do that. We don't need to be subject to like this really limited way to think, you know. You don't like FIFA? We don't need to reform FIFA. Fuck FIFA. You know, um, go on strike. Don't pay your youth dues. I know it sounds unrealistic, you know, but unrealistic is the tenability of some of these stupid patriarchal racist systems. So, I mean, I love that we five years out are the same. I don't love that the general media stays in that space. Yeah. Ah. Amira. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, yes. <laughs> um, in many ways, sports podcasting remains very formulaic. Um, and we see that as a show that exists in the intersections that sometimes finding collaborations or landing spots or even simple basic understandings of who we are and what we are remains a battle. I can't tell you how many things we have said no to because... Um, there's an effort to squeeze us into that box or into that formula, whether it's about, you know, comments that are like, I liked you guys, but you never debate each other. You never argue. And it's like, well, actually, first of all, we we do debate. We just, we don't have to fight. Like, it's not actually, I mean, we are some of the most competitive people, some of us, but that doesn't mean that the embrace to brace model of of sports is actually the best way to talk and work through things and think about things. And some things like aren't, there's not another side that's worth platforming at all. And like, we're not going to do that, but also just like, I know we cover a lot of women's sports, but we just cover sports in general. Right. And there's a way that like some people will approach us and say, we want you to just talk about women's sports or like we see you as a women's sports podcast. And it's like, yes, but also we're giving you a critical analysis that you're not getting about football right? Those battles, like Brenda was saying, and Jess was saying, like the frameworks, right? The the limits, the kind of when people are like, oh, we're changing so radically. And it's like, you've taken half a step forward. That kind of frustration remains. Yeah. Shereen? Just to say that, like, we have permanent spots on the burn pile, for FIFA, and there's permanent spots, whether it's college football, and we know they're permanent spots, right? Because they keep doing the same shit. I mean, we don't stop burning them and drawing attention to that. And But that does get tiring and infuriating. I mean, there's a huge amount of emotional labor too, particularly when, you know, I think about Amira's, it still stays with me, the episode, the special one that Amira did with Black women athletes after the murder of George Floyd and how that, what that took. The emotional labor that goes into us, in addition to the intellectual labor, is a lot. And that can get, but we keep going, right? And the way that we don't, that we don't waver on the issues we stand behind, whereas other places flop and they come back and they're not necessarily consistent. And there's no question that we'll continue to advocate and support and amplify what actually needs to be amplified. But at the same time, some it feels like, you know, that we are doing the same thing over and over. Like, And it, that's okay because the work needs to be consistent. Advocacy and, and, and community collaborations and engagement is 
that grunt work and that we do it also. It's not just glamorous all the time. We're not just, you know, glamorous. I know we come off as incredibly glamorous, but like we have to keep doing it. One of the things is that I I do appreciate and I think about is that because I work consistently in media and as a opinion columnist with a national broadcaster, ego is a big part of everything I see in media. And it's it's stifling. And it prevents people from doing work that actually needs to get done. And as Amira said, we're very competitive. But in there's certain things, it's not ego for us. There's no, there's no question what we will fight for and what we will stand up for. In a way, I feel sad that it has to be that way. And it's so poignant that we do this because it is seldom seen in sports media. So I'm hoping there is a change. And, but I am reflecting on the ways in which we operate. And also from a technical logistical standpoint, the idea of working with you know a team of people for something like this, it would be unfathomable and, in my opinion, impossible if it wasn't the people involved in this project. I will just say that. It would have imploded in certain ways. It's the characters of the people here and I am. with. This is about reflection. I reflect upon how amazing everybody is. I reflect on the work and I reflect on the sincerity because there's so little of that in the industry. I do want to point out that on the glamorous front, I have not brushed my hair today, and I'm braless in a tank top that I slept in right now. So just, you know, for the record. Can we talk about Shireen's hat that she had lying around her ears? They're, her they're, silver sequin ears. sequin um, Mickey Mouse. Do you guys not have no. sequined headgear no, like, no. available? I actually do. I just don't have it up at 8 in the morning <laughs> when I barely have a bra on. I think I have pants on. That's progress. But – I do want to say, Tressa, I see that you see me and your teal tinted sunglasses that are heart shaped lenses. You know that's all for you, Shireen. I love it. They're very great. I thought it was a filter. I I know. I did too. (laughs) And then she moved and it moved with her face. And I was like, like an interactive filter. We're going to end this on a hopeful note, or at least we'll do our best burn it all down version of a hopeful note. Uh, So let's imagine that we've made it to 10 years. And I guess. 500 episodes what do you hope we'll be talking about during our retrospective when burn it all down is a decade old bren we're gonna be talking about wow look at the kind of huge turn towards global football soccer we made like we just have covered it just (laughs) we're all experts now yeah we like couldn't stop talking about it even Shereen came around about MLS. Uh, she goes to games all the time now. Copa Libertadores, we did on site. We did a live show in Brazil. Oh, my gosh, that was amazing. Um, you know, we did it in Portuguese. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> okay, Bren. Okay, now, now your dreams are requiring a lot of work on our end. It's just going to be magical. <laughs> I was with you until you want me to learn Portuguese. We got five years. We got five years, Amira. <laughs> Okay, Duolingo. It's going to be magical. Oh. Clear professor, Brenda's dreams come right. with homework. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Totally. Totally. But I do want, I do really want a beach show, you know, like where Me we can too. be in like some tropical location, nothing against New York, Portland. You know, those were amazing. Nashville. I mean, I'm I'm still manifesting New Zealand for the yes. World Cup. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. And that goes yeah. right with my football dreams. Sponsor. If you're listening. Anybody. If you're listening. Anybody. Um, Linz, what are you hopeful for? Yeah. I mean. Uh, Say it. I want 
I want there to be money. I want us to be getting paid more because let's be honest, like we're five years into this and our supporters are incredible and make it possible literally, but we're not making much money at all off of this. Right. And And even that is a new thing. Yeah. Yeah. And making any money at all is, is new. You know, we've poured everything back into the show uh, live shows are a big source of uh, income for us Some people can pay us, but the pandemic took all of that away, you know, and so we're just getting back to that. And I mean, yeah, I'm saying it for selfish reasons because I'm broke and I have a lot of bills, but I'm also <laughs> saying it because it's a show, it's a show of how the market values our labor. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a show of growth. You know, sustaining this is one thing, but like I want us to thrive and I also want women's sports as a whole to thrive. Right. Like I want us to have to start having conversations about that contract. Is that too much money? Do you (laughs) know what I mean? For her, like has money spoiled the game? Do you know what I mean? Like I want those to be the hot takes that we're having. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mine is super basic. I hope we're no longer talking about how hard it is to watch women's sports. Like, that's it. I just hope in five years that it's just so much easier than it is right now. And also, I just hope there's more bars like the sports bra. Yes. I don't we don't need necessarily franchises. We just need more of that idea everywhere uh, in Austin, Texas. Please. Thank you, Uh, Shereen. I enjoy reveries. And I think about us. And I'm like, is Annie Libowitz going to photograph us on our private plane or we do something a little more down to earth, like on the coming off the plane when we are landing somewhere internationally? I'm, I'm manifesting that. Just kidding. I'm not really. Of course, we would have our own team photographer at all times. So thanks, Annie. But, you know, we have our own person. I think about the growth of our team too. Like, what does it look like? Like we, is there somebody out there who's as valuable and cherished like trust is that we don't know about someone who's full time, like a documentary producer who at Netflix will be covering the biopic of us. Like I know who I would like to play me in the burn it all down biopic. Who, who, who? Well, her, her name is Karina Kapoor. She's a Bollywood actress. You you. know, no Priyanka Chopra up in this ish. I think about that. And I think about the successes to come because, you know, us even just getting money for ad reads was considered a huge win to talk about the money. Cause we, people don't know the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours that we put into this show without remuneration. And we did it because we love it. It was a labor of love. It is a labor of love. But again, like Lindsay said, how our labor is not valued in the same way, you know, we're women, we're racialized women and how we're not put up to the highest standard. People should just be throwing money at us when we walk around constantly. I know if you're listening to this, you know that Shereen is sincere when she says she thinks about, like, the cast for the movies. But we will get text about this, like, in the middle of the night. <laughs> like, about the bi-eye biopic. So, it's everyone get you a hype woman like Shereen. I love us. And we know this. I love us so much. All right, Amira. Bring us home. I hope over the next five years we move from burning to building. Um, We've all talked about what it feels like to burn and burn and burn and try not to burn out, but burn the same things because they're prevalent. But also, um, you know, the point of burning is to build from the ashes. And, you know, there's ways in which we think about that tangibly. And I hope we spend some time over the next five years um, thinking sincerely and doing sincerely about what comes after the burn and how we can help build 
from the ashes of the things we've burned. I want more partnerships. I want foundations. I want tangible goals and radical realities. And um, in short, I want it all. Uh, And I want us to build a better fucking world together. Happy birthday, my favorite fiery feminist athletes and sports commentators. This is Kara Snyder here calling in from Louisville, Kentucky. And the memory I want to share, um, it's hard to pick a favorite episode, but my the one I keep coming back to is episode 138, when Dr. Rose Davis, Shireen, and Lindsay are all talking about um, body issues in sports. And I think it's just a really beautiful, vulnerable, and intimate um episode the the my favorite part starts at minute 52 and I've taught this episode in my classes feminist queer and trans approaches to sport and it always just um kind of breaks the ice and allows people to connect intimately to this to this subject so thank you for that episode and for existing and may you last another 250 years Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this week's interview... I talked to Faith Briggs, a documentary journalist, filmmaker, and co-host of the Trailhead podcast who wants to make the outdoors a more diverse place. We discuss how she went from competing in track to outdoor endurance racing, her film series, Who is a Runner, that focuses on running communities of color, and her work around the intersection of environment, conservation, race, and culture. Check that out on Thursday. If, if you don't know about the history of the land and you're just saying like, oh, come on, come be a conservationist, like yeah, we really want you to be here, but you don't acknowledge what what the trauma related to that land is. It just, we can't move the movements forward. Now it's time for everyone's favorite segment that we like to call the burn pile, where we pile up all the things we've hated in sports this week and we set them aflame. Lindy Gibbs, get us going. What are you burning? Let's talk about the WNBA. The WNBA season's off to a great start. What is not off to a great start is fucking League Pass, the WNBA's app. Frustrating. Here's the problem is that the WNBA app and League Pass are like combined. So if you download the WNBA app, it essentially is League Pass. But League Pass 
doesn't actually have rights to show all the games. Some games are on Amazon Prime. Some games are on ESPN. But when you pull up the WNBA app, first thing it shows you everywhere is just the games that are showing on League Pass. And it's as if the games not on League Pass don't exist. You have to look for them. Now, you can go to scores. You can go to other things. But on the homepage, it'll say games today. And if it's not happening on League Pass, it's not prominent. That's absolutely bonkers. And the WNBA raised $75 million and said one of the big things was improving League Pass and improving the app. How? How do you even do that? How? 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 Um, and I also just want to, like, you know, we're combining two, two things of differing degrees here. But uh, WNBA star Brittany Griner's pretrial detention was extended by a full month. Um, last week, the Biden administration has said Griner is being wrongfully detained. Her team's given everyone permission to shout this from the rooftop to fight for her her freedom now to use all options available to immediately and safely bring Griner home. That comes from Lindsay Kagawakolis, um, the agent of Griner. Just want to read you a thing from Brianna Turner, Griner's teammate on the Phoenix Mercury. She said on road trips, BG would always save her leftover food and give it to a homeless person. So of course, with her on my mind, I thought to do the same today. Sometimes a free meal can make a person's day. If possible, do something nice for a stranger today. Let's all do nice things for strangers today. Let's all keep spreading the word to free Brittany Griner. And while we're at it, let's fix League Pass. Burn. 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 All right. I'm doing a basic burn this week, sort of like what Shereen was talking about. Sexism in sports media. We still have it. So last week, the Scottish Football Writers Association Ugh. held a dinner in Glasgow and hired some dude, Bill Copeland, to, I don't know, do stand-up or some shit for 20 minutes. His jokes were so sexist, racist, and homophobic that two full tables of guests got up and walked out of the dinner while he was talking. Oh, According to one journalist, Gabriella Bennett, quote, I walked out after about five minutes of maybe a 20-minute speech, and within those five minutes, it was rammed with sexist jokes. The point when she left was after Copeland said an offensive racial slur. Her table was joined by the table of TV presenter Eileen Barber. Barber tweeted that she had, quote, never felt so unwelcome in the industry. The Scottish Football Writers Association made a regular old bad apology, capital B, capital A, quote, the Scottish Football Writers Association apologizes to anyone offended or upset by material from one of our after dinner speakers at last night's annual awards dinner. We have agreed unanimously that this will act as a catalyst to review and improve the format of our future events to make it an enjoyable and inspirational event for all. <laughs> Maybe they should review and improve the format of their apologies first and then go from there. The people in charge of the Writers Association probably don't actually care that this was offensive to marginalized groups in sports media. One can easily guess that the people in charge probably identify more closely with Bill Copeland than any of the people who got up and walked out. Most likely, they don't like that some people were public about this and told the rest of the media world about what went on. As Bennett said about everyone else at the dinner, quote, it's worth pointing out that there were lots of people laughing at these jokes. We were two tables in an enormous room, and lots of people found it really funny. It's really a wonder, huh, why marginalized groups don't make it in sports media? Even if you're able to somehow get around the out-and-out discrimination in hiring and retention, you have to literally deal with your colleagues laughing at your expense and thinking that that's a damn good time. So I just want to burn all of this. 
burn. 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 Brenda, what's on your burn pile? This week, I'm burning everyone involved with housing for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Right now, the first reports have come in. This isn't surprising. This is not unexpected. Homosexuality is illegal in Qatar. And the first hotels that are on the recommended list that um, of 69, the first instances of homophobic um, rejections of reservations have occurred. And we were waiting for this, of course. And the first report lists three of the 69. I expect we'll find many, many more that have committed to denying hotel reservations to the LGBTQ community. Like, like they are saying, that's what we're doing. Um, this is incredibly frustrating. It flies in the face of everything that FIFA and the organizing committee has promised to global football. But we knew this was going to happen, right? I mean, so it's just, I don't know. Nothing about knowing it in advance makes it any less infuriating. And um, so I want to burn the fact that um, the World Cup organizing committee are liars. They can't deliver on what they said they would, which is an LGBTQ-friendly World Cup. They can't deliver. They won't deliver. The Qataris are not committed to that, nor are they committed to labor rights. So I want to burn the entire, everyone involved with that World Cup 2022 right now. I'm I'm just pissed. Burn. 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 Shreem, what are you burning? Well, on the topic of sport washing in that particular region, I'm going to, this was very little, it was reported very seldom in my opinion. So the NBA announced last week that they would actually be having games and the Department of Culture and Tourism of Abu Dhabi, and this is in the United Arab Emirates, um, was going to announce that the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks will play two preseason games at Itihad Arena in October. You know, everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. They're bringing sports there. Oh, you know, they're they're developing culture and, you know, we want to see the game grow. Do we want to see it in a place that absolutely is horrific with their labor rates and their practices? And as Brenda just said, very similar to Qatar, being gay is illegal in that place? Like, what exactly? I mean, I'm not looking to the NBA to be bastions of human rights of anything. I'm sorry. But this makes me incredibly uncomfortable, particularly when still in a place, women don't necessarily play sports publicly. And those who have access in in, in upper echelons, and women in particular, have to have a lot of money. So it's not as if sports is accessible in a way that we want it to be globally and throughout all the socioeconomic stratus. It doesn't work like that. I know. I've been there. I absolutely understand how it operates. This is I, this absolutely comes down to money. So on the one hand, we love the NBA. We want to see these games happen. We I would really like to see global fans have an opportunity to watch, just very much like when, you know, Premier or City uh, teams come and have a tour of North America. I love that because it gives fans an opportunity, but not like this, not without any critical analysis. The only thing that I saw was a piece on Deadspin. And I know I'm like, oh, because even getting news from Deadspin right now, it makes me uncomfortable. But then in that way, the GOP is criticizing UAE for doing that because they don't uphold rights of, of, of poor communities. But I'm like, the GOP? Like, this gets even nastier and dirtier when you have the people critiquing the loudest that are themselves horrific. They're anti-trans. They're racist. It's, like, awful. So it's like this whole thing is are people using an issue that's fairly simple to deflect from their own criticism. It's it's terrible. So I don't love that. 
at all. And, you know, there's a, there's an article about sport washing and how Saudi Arabia, and I heard this rumor a couple months ago, but the rumor I heard is that, is that the games would also be played in Saudi Arabia. That was not announced. And I didn't see it. I do expect it to come. And then I, you will hear from me again on the sperm pile when that happens. I want to take all of this. I want to take the disingenuous criticisms of it. I want to take the way that sport is being used to sport wash in places that don't deserve it. And I want to take it and I want to burn it all down. Burn. burn. All right, Amira, what would you like to torch? So the Delaware State women's lacrosse team, Delaware uh, Del State is a HBCU. Um, they were on a bus returning from a tournament in Georgia when they were pulled over. Now, it's always harrowing to be pulled over if you're a Black person in America. And the bus driver in his 20-year career, this was the first time he was pulled over, uh, they were told that the bus was pulled over because it was passing in the left lane, which, by the way, is not even illegal in Georgia to do. What seemed routine and kind of regularly scary escalated when after boarding the bus, surveying the Black girls in their lacrosse uniforms heading back from a tournament, the deputy on board said that, uh, theorized that this group of schoolgirls might be trafficking drugs. Very soon, multiple units, including canine units, showed up, searched the property of the Dell State lacrosse team, including opening and rummaging through their bags, overturning their belongings, and even opening a present that one girl had wrapped in her bag. They proceeded to say that they were looking for drug trafficking and something about lost children. And for the next hour, speculated that the Dell State women's lacrosse team was trafficking drugs across state boundaries and subjected to this search on the side of the road. The bus driver and the entire team um, were very impacted by this uh, happening. The president, uh, which I should mention, Dell State is also one of the many HBCUs who have been getting bomb threats all year. The president has... Uh, indicated that the school will file a civil rights complaint, um, has already wrote a scathing letter in defense of this team. And my heart is really with these girls who have fought for so much in terms of having lacrosse team at uh, HBCU at all. We know one of the only other HBCU lacrosse teams, Howard, has been dealing very publicly with uh, racist attacks. And here they are coming back from the last tournament of the year for a sport they're fighting to play. And they still are subject to traveling while Black. It's stupid. It's racist. It's appalling. It's dehumanizing. I'm really mad. The present part just really fucks me up because, like, wrapping presents is really hard. And that feels really basic. But it's just, like, the fact that all of that can be torn apart because they can be suspected of trafficking drugs is just, it defies comprehension. But, okay, racism isn't logical. Um, but it's certainly burnable. And I would like to burn it all down. Before moving on, we received an email from one of our flamethrowers, Livia, after hearing last week's top of the show discussion about the end of Roe v. Wade in the U.S. And we wanted to share it with everyone. Here's Livia. Hi, burn it all down. I'm a longtime listener and on the board of the Tampa Bay Abortion Fund. I want to share some thoughts about the end of Roe. I am worried about non-binary trans and women athletes. 
I am worried that if a player playing for the Dallas Wings needs an abortion after six weeks, that they will have to travel out of state and miss time playing for their team in a highly public profession. I'm worried that a player for the Orlando Pride won't find out they're pregnant until 15 weeks past their last period, when it will be too late for them to get an abortion in Florida. I'm worried about the thousands of NCAA athletes who play in states where abortion will be severely restricted. I'm worried that health care plans for athletes won't cover abortion. I'm worried about non-binary and trans athletes because abortion bans disproportionately harm trans and non-binary people. I urge everyone who is listening to donate to their local abortion fund, which can be found at the National Network of Abortion Funds website. Thank you, Livia. Now to highlight people carrying the torch and changing sports culture. First up, our honorable mentions, Linz. Yeah, cheers to all the athletes who competed in the World Para Athletics Grand Prix in Italy. Shouts to Luca Eckler of Hungary, who beat her own world record in the long jump T38, jumping 5.74 meters. And Italy's own Ambra Sabatini, who set the world record in the 200 meters in the T63 category with a blistering 29.87 second run. Shireen. Congratulations to Chelsea. Chelsea are the back-to-back champions of the FA Cup. Paris Saint-Germain won this year's Coupe de France. And Wolfsburg are the champions in the Bundesliga. Frauen. Amira. The 24th Deaf Olympics just wrapped up in Brazil. For the first time, a South American country hosted the Games. Over 2,300 athletes from more than 100 countries competed in 209 events across 17 sports. 95-year-old Colleen Millman is her new age group mile world record holder after she ran a 13-minute, 46-second mile at the Oregon Track Club Masters Haywood Classic. Bren. Latina is our Breaking ceilings in sports this week, Veronica Hernandez is the new general manager for the Seattle Mariners minor league team, the Modesto Nuts. She is the first Latina GM in minor league baseball, and Christina Murillo will be the head coach for the USL Chicago Dutch Lions in the FC, making her the first Latina to coach in the second division in the U.S. Amira. We are excited for new sporting competitions. The Maritime Women's Basketball Association, an amateur women's basketball league starting up in Canada, with six teams from across New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. And the first ever International Federation of Cerebral Palsy Football Women's World Cup started last week and it will conclude the day this episode drops, Tuesday, May 17th. Five teams, Spain, Japan, the Netherlands, Australia, and the United States are competing. Shireen? Uh, Michaela Grant-Mentes, the reigning MVP of the Premier Hockey Federation, became the first 80000 U.S. dollar player after she signed a deal with the Buffalo Buttes. This is incredible. Not only is she the first women's hockey player to make this kind of money in professional hockey, she's a black woman, came up from the Toronto Six. Love this. Can I get a drum roll, please? Bren, who is our torchbearer this week? Our torchbearer for this week is the most incredible, I can't even believe it, this is just mind-boggling to me, 
Lakpa Sherpa, who summited Everest for the 10th time last week, making her the undisputed most decorated woman climber to climb Everest. She is a Nepali single mom, and I am just stunned and baffled by one time, 10 times. Oh my goodness. What better of a torchbearer for our fifth year anniversary? That means she has done twice as many times on Everest as we've done years. So congratulations. Hey, everyone. Uh, This is Martin (laughs) calling in to say congratulations (laughs) on reaching 250 episodes. Um, I think it's just a testament to you all's hard work and just the fact that there are so many people out there that want to hear you all talk about sports. So congratulations. Um, I feel really lucky to have been there for a few of those episodes as, you know, doing some production for you guys. And um, I think one of my fave silly memories um, is just any time that food was discussed, um, whether that be air fryers or spoon cake um, or the need from uh, Shireen to clarify when asked what what her favorite sandwich was to uh, make sure she specified that she had a favorite sandwich experience and also a favorite sandwich. And I just think that speaks to um, the care and the level of analysis that you all provide to issues, whether... Big or small. Um, and so, yeah, congratulations on 250. That was a sneak attack because that was it not. Was sneaky. Because I did not know about that one. Oh, so good. And he definitely used his mic setup, proper mic setup for that, which was just peak wow. mic. <laughs> yeah, he did. Gosh. That was, that was fun. Yeah. Okay. What's good, y'all? Lens? What's good with you? I mean, I really feel like we should do like what we do at our live shows, which is like one, two, three, this, you know, like right now, like hundred uh, percent like crying. <laughs> this is good. We're a little snotty. Um, but, you know, I have to say that hearing from our listeners, like it's I have a hard time feeling um, love and uh appreciation and I think we do this in silos and we work so alone and it's just like you know some days our numbers of listeners aren't going up the way we would like it or that episode didn't turn I don't know it's just like literally hearing from people is just incredible so that's what's good it's just um soaking in the love of you guys and also if you have not watched I have. I've watched it like seven times. Jokic getting his MVP award in a Serbian horse stable. He pulls up. <laughs> he pulls up the horse. Behind the horse. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to like steer. He doesn't want to ride horses. Like he wants to steer them in races. Like in the. And, and so he has his whole stable and he comes up and they're playing Serbian music and some people from the Denver Nuggets are there and they're all like clapping and his family's there. He's got his helmet on because he's been racing. And he's horse. crying. And it's just like sports are really cool. Like that's sorry. What kind of fever dream? <laughs> I don't care what you think about like who should have gotten the award or not. Like that is a cool moment. And at one point, like he was doing an interview with the inside the NBA guys, and they were like, 
uh, talking about long shots. He was like, obviously, I'm the biggest long shot. I grew up in a horse stable in Serbia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Oh, God. I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, Just to echo Lindsay's point, I think there's something about burning it all down because we do it all the time. Like as soon as this episode ends, we will start planning the next one and we just go and go and go and go. And we love it. Obviously, I think you can hear it in our voices how much we love this. But I'm with her on like hearing from people and what this means to them. It's like I can't even I can't articulate what what that means to me. Whenever someone comes up to me and tells me how much they love the podcast, I always say always that there's not a better compliment. And I mean it every single time. Um, The thing I'll mention for my what's good is yesterday, both of the boys uh, performed in their School of Rock performances, and they were both amazing. It's really wild. My son has been playing piano now for like seven years. He's only 13. So more than half his life. And he can like just fucking play the piano. (laughs) And I'm sometimes (laughs) just taken aback by that. And then yesterday he did a Woodstock show. Uh, for the School of Rock, and the first song was Milady by Sly and the Family Stone. He played the bass, and he just, like, fucking played that thing. It was just amazing, and Aaron did this. Um, he did the, I think it's Rod Stewart's Stay With Me song, and he had, like, this glass thing that he put on his pinky so he could slide down the guitar. Whew. Like I think Aaron is pretty on a normal day, uh, so that was, that was that was very good for Jessica. <laughs> I hope he never hears that. Okay, he'll be so embarrassed. Uh, Bren, what's good with you? You know, it's May, so it's youth soccer season, um, and that's always good for me. Um, no matter what, since Luna, my middle daughter, will never listen to this. I can just say whatever I want. Ha ha. She'll never. She, she loves the show, but she'll never make it to the end. And if it's me, she'll totally skip it. <laughs> Um, if it's you guys, you might listen. And so she, um, it was funny, like yesterday they won her team and she's playing kind of on a big girl team, U16 and, and, That um, is big. It's big. And, and she just turned 13. So she's nervous, you know, um, but she's got a couple little friends on it and she didn't play her best game. So she was pretty upset. She was kind of like crying and, um, but it wasn't bad at all. And she gets in the car and I was like, I kind of like that ref, you know, I kind of, I thought he did a, a fairly good job and she was like, no way. And then she just rattled off like all of these really good persuasive arguments. And I felt like, what a, like, like cool that we can have this conversation in that sports, um, is this place where she can go into like, she's sad or it's social, but she can also go into this like intellectual space about it. And she's like, do you know all the rules that he broke and he should have called this and stuff. And it was just like so fun. And I don't know, like I intellectualizing sports sometimes helps me with my emotional fandom. Um, so speaking of which, that's my second, what's good. Um, you know, Martin, who you just heard from is a huge Boston Celtics fan and they just beat the Bucks in their series. <laughs> And, um, there it is. Martin didn't text me back last night. There it is. Because, because we had recorded Amira, so he turned off all his texts because he could not. <laughs> so it was, I that was watch. the only reason. And so I just want to say, making it something larger, it's about personal growth. I'm from Detroit. I hate Boston. I hate Larry Bird. Um, and see, like, you can teach old dogs new tricks. I rooted for the Celtics. Um, and I'm really glad that they won um, for Martin. and. Um, and Marcus Smart too. He's really fun. 
and me. <laughs> and oh, and Amira, of course, for Amira. Sorry. Listen to this growth over the last five it's years. Growth. I know. My word. It's a lot of growth. I don't like this growth. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that one. <laughs> Pettiness forever. But I'm yeah. rooting for the courage for you, Lynn. So you see, I do have. That's not the same. That's not the same. Okay, fair. 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 Uh, Shereen, you're up. For me, uh, self-care is a big thing. I'm actually starting the uh, Paint by Numbers project that Jessica Luther gave me for Christmas in the exchange. I finished the last one, and I'm starting the new one. I'm excited. I'm going to Edmonton with Salahuddin's Nationals for volleyball, so please keep us in your prayers. It's a pretty big trip. I'm excited about that. Um, I got him a suit for prom, which was a lot of fun because he's 6'6", and I didn't think we'd be able to get it off the rack, and we did. I mean, so that's very exciting. I love prom so much. I'm very invested in my child's prom. I may go overboard. Shocked. Shocked. Um, my cephala turned 22, and he celebrated his 22nd. I have a 22-year-old child. Isn't that crazy? He's a man. And he went to Ecuador with his sister. So one of the greatest joys that I have is my children, Jihad in particular, keeps sending me food photos. And I'm so proud of them. I'm like, I have peaked as a mother when my children. And in our family chat group, their father's like, did you guys go to Ecuador to eat? And I'm like, why else would you travel? And like the audacity (laughs) of this person to talk, frankly. Anyways, it's fine. I'm so proud of my kids. And I'm, I'm excited for, you know, the next chapters, like, I keep writing new chapters, Ooh. but this is this is wonderful. So all of this ties in. Like this is burn it all down as an extension of my family. So it is my family. So I'm just really excited and seeing all the burn it all down babies grow. I remember oh, when Amira came, Zachary so was tiny. And Zachary, I would ask Amira on every Zoom call to get Zachary to spell his name because I was obsessed with it. You know, like these things are, they matter. We've grown together. Families have grown together. Literally, Zachary is the same age as this product. Like he's mm-hmm. just, he was just a little yeah. over. But he was literally an infant when we started. And now he's finishing mm-hmm. kindergarten. And that is wild. Wow. All right, Amira, what's good? Um, I had a lovely Mother's Day in which me and Jessica discharged children and went to Austin FC game. And that that was a lovely way to spend Mother's Day. We had hot dogs and liquor. I will say that uh, in the second <laughs> half, the winger on our side of the field was Amira had to go to a very zen place. Because yeah. he was not. He was, <laughs> he was not was making not Amira. game. <laughs> The warm good. and fuzzy feeling started to dissipate by then, but yes, it was still it was it was a lovely time. And uh, one of the most exciting things is how much I've been getting into F one with Jessica for the last week, which will be a subject of upcoming, as in next week episode of Burn It All Down. But I, uh, it has brought great joy. So I'm telling you now. Be prepared. Drive to Survive on Netflix. Um, I also just got back from a trip to Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, unexpectedly ran into my advisor who hasn't I haven't seen in years um, and good friend from graduate school. But I was mostly doing a, a, a donor trip. Um, but I did get to see Kelly Hardcastle Jones, who is a part of the production team on American Prodigies. Um, and it was lovely. She took me to Roots, which if you know anything about me, my love for Roots bowls is just here and I haven't had one in a year. 
Um, and I went to Roots and cried because I was so happy to have this Roots Bowl. Um, and Kelly let me play her like all of the musical six. And we hung out, hung out with her amazing daughter, June. And she literally drove me to the Richmond airport at 3 a.m. Because that is just how nice of a person Kelly Hardcastle fucking Jones is. And she sent me off with a bundle of Ted Lasso biscuits, which are amazing. We've had them once before. She said, you don't have to tell Luther if you don't want to share, but I did put enough in for her. And she did tell me, so I will get some. That is maturity. Please, no. Growth. Because those biscuits taste amazing, and what's more, they taste like love. (laughs) I'm so corny. I love it. Oh, wow. Wow. Is that your favorite now biscuit experience? It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a really good one. <laughs> uh, I just meant to shout out a uh, thank you to all the people who've helped us at Burn It All Down throughout the years. Like, they're also what's good and what I'm grateful for. So, Tressa, our producer, Shelby, oh, social yeah. media. I know we're, we shout them out at the end of the show, but I just, um, and, and also, like, we've had various people do some producing work for us. And help us throughout the years and like we do not make it to five years without them so thank you all yes. so much because like we still don't know how to edit none of us like <laughs> no no that is not a skill that we have picked up uh, a lot of gratitude like unbelievable amounts of gratitude for this group uh for Tressa because I don't have to whatsapp call Lindsay anymore and say how do I just in- insert the music into this thing. Oh my God. The freak out text the freak from out Shireen. To, how do I do one of, this? One of my favorite stories might be Shireen, me trying to get Shireen and I'm talking through her and I'm at Think Progress. <laughs> I'm in the middle of the office and I get off and everyone goes, was that your mom? Because I was like talking through like, like tech. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Or even the time Tressa gave me and Brenda a lesson on tech. Do you remember that? And we were congratulating ourselves and then forgot about it never had to do again anyway all this to say Tressa thank you for my shenanigans too when I message you thank you and I'm like do you have musical instruments in your home in a very measured way Tressa replies yes whether it's a, you know glockenspiel or maracas you know I know that Tressa is and you're just very very loved and appreciated I'm um, saying with Shelby I like Shelby's genius in social media wizardry is something and she'll just message me and she also transcribes for us and we'll say whatever the language can you just clarify what this is I think it's this but I'm like just the attention to detail because we want our listeners to have the best which is why we have the team we have So this week we are watching the Champs League final Barcelona versus Lyon on Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern. If you want to know more about these teams and who I am rooting for in the final, make sure you listen to episode 249 from last week. NWSL and WNBA are in their regular seasons and the NBA and NHL playoffs are in full swing. That's it for episode 250 of Burn It All Down. This episode was produced by the amazing and hardworking Tressa Versteg. Shelby Weldon does our beautiful website, episode transcripts, and social media. Speaking of social media, you can find Burn It All Down on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen, subscribe, and rate the show at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and tune in wherever you are listening to this right now. For show links and transcripts, check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. You'll also find a link there for our merch at our Bonfire store. And as always, thank you to our patrons. Your support 
is the reason we have been able to do this for the last five years. If you want to become a sustaining donor to our show and get us to the 10-year anniversary, visit patreon.com slash burnitalldown to all of our flamethrowers. Burn on and not out.